We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for July 15, 2012. The next article is uh, entitled TSA Deliberately Recruiting Hiring Sociopaths and Pedophiles, says Whistleblower. Now, I've already went over this in the past. This is a proven fact. This is just more confirmation to that, what we're dealing with uh, when you deal with the TSA. What caliber of person you're most likely dealing with here. While the Central Intelligence Agency has a history of paying off petty tyrants and thugs in its quest to fulfill their agenda, no regular federal agency would purposely seek out and hire the dregs of society, right? Well, that's wrong. Enter the illustrious Transportation Security Administration, or TSA. According to, quote, Rob, a TSA supervisor turned whistleblower in a recent interview, the agency's brass is directing is directing staff to hire degenerates, people with criminal records who have exhibited violent tendencies and psychopathic behavior. I mean, what's not to like about that? How would you like to travel in the air now? I haven't traveled in years because of this point alone. I haven't done any air travel since the TSA started their stuff. I couldn't stand it before when they were just making you take off your shoes and your belts. You know, I mean, you're going through there, and I mean, like, I had, like, lace-up, like, kind of like these, kind of like work boots, I guess. I mean, what a hassle that is. It's almost like you have to pre-plan your trip to make sure you're wearing shoes that you can get off real quick. And if you don't, you know, you're holding everybody up. It's just a, it was bad enough before. I can't imagine what it's like now. You know, so, uh, going further, these people have criminal records who have exhibited violent tendencies and psychopathic behavior. Uh, let's see here. During the interview, Rob talked about his job, which entailed filing reports on TSA screeners who did not follow the agency's procedures. He said he was alarmed by the fact that the agency was hiring a number of criminals who he said exhibited the behavior of psychopaths. We have a program... In the state of Rhode Island, this is a quote from him, we have a program in the state of Rhode Island where we take prisoners who are out for non-violent drug offenses and everything else, basically sociopaths, and we're sending them to a 10-day course and getting them in uniform checking out people, meaning they're turning them into TSA screeners. Uh, the whistleblower said this. He noted that the people who presented themselves very professionally were often passed over in favor of applicants who had spent time in jail or who had megalomaniacal power trip tendencies. Again, no red flags there. The aberrancy is getting noticed. If they have a background and it's something like violence or abusing authority, we put them right in. We put them guys on the floor the first day said Rob, who also said he was encouraged to hire veterans from the Iraqi war who had been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. It's all about the power trip, he says. It's all about having people bug their eyes out at the public and getting the public conditioned to the fact that the police state is coming. See, this is training. For, that's why I won't subject myself to it. because it's But it's training for the American populace to get us conditioned to accept this as the norm. Uh, adding that TSA screeners were instructed to stick out their chest in arrogance and, quote, eyeball people. As if what they're doing is not evil enough. They've got to go a step beyond that and basically get in your face. The TSA's bizarre behavior, as well as the agency's lower than low hiring standards, is getting noticed by more and more people. Fortunately for all Americans, an increasing number of those are people who can do something about it. 
Uh, let's hope they do. Well, I doubt this is going to happen. But take a recent report at TSA by the U.S. Representative Marsha Brown, Republican out of Tech, Tennessee. In it, she highlighted the fact that TSA agents engage in criminal behavior. So often, it's almost routine. Well, it is. It's 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 a criminal. It's it's essentially sexual molestation by every screener doing pat downs on a daily basis over and over and over and over again. You know, it's what it is. She says, that's no aberrancy. It's because the TSA's hiring practice is an insufficient use of background checks. This report details highly disturbing cases where pedophiles and child pornographers wearing federal law enforcement uniforms are not only patting down unsuspecting travelers, but in many cases stealing valuables from their bags. She told, I mean, they're stealing like crazy. That's coming out all the time. She told a local news station early in June, enough is enough, it's time for Congress to step in and demand accountability from the administrator, John Pistoli. Evidently, he's the head guy at TSA. Rob also said that TSA screeners were being ordered by supervisors to check bags of people who were only coming to the airport to pick up a traveler. He said he was once directed to search a diaper bag that belonged to a woman who had come to the airport to pick up her husband. Quote, he said, we're doing patrols in the parking lot with dogs. We're even going as far out as the train stations because the train station is connected to the airport here. And we have guys walking around the train station, walking around rental cars. We're inspecting cars, coming into the parking garage. I mean, we've fully expanded. We're no longer just at the gate and just at the security checkpoint, he said, adding that supervisors were firing agents who refused to grope travelers in certain areas. So if you don't do what, if you don't commit sexual molestation, you're, you're going to be fired. Rob, the report noted, was contacted by his bosses shortly after the interview and reprimanded, by the way. And I'll give you the links to that interview if you want to hear it. And then, and then in contrast with that article, this article, which starts out by saying, 59-year-old Carol Jean Price has been found guilty of battery for conducting what thousands of Americans are being subjected to every day, a TSA-style pat-down. A jury took just 20 minutes to deliver the verdict, which stemmed from an incident earlier this year, which took place at Southwest Florida International Airport, which is my hometown, originally, in Fort Myers. Traveling to her brother's funeral in Cleveland, Ohio, on April 20th, Price, who was a former TSA screener, became infuriated at receiving a pat-down, which included touching her breasts and genitals, a violation of the protocols she herself had been trained to carry out. Uh, she said, quote, the screener dug into my bra strap coming down. She also swiped the palm of her hand down the front of my breast. She took the palm of her hand and went up my leg, front, back, right leg, left leg, and then touched my genitals, she said. The Lee County woman voiced her complaint to a TSA supervisor and proceeded to physically demonstrate how she was groped. The footage of the incident shows Price running her hands up the inside thigh of the TSA worker for a period of no more than two seconds. So in other words, she was showing what was done to her, okay, in a very brief manner. Price's actions were mild in comparison to what the TSA agents routinely inflict on traveling public, grope downs, which include physically grabbing people's genitals. Responding to the incident, the TSA claimed Price had carried out an act of, quote, violence. It's okay for them to do it, though. It's okay for them to commit sexual molestation, because if you do any of this stuff outside the airport in America, it's sexual molestation. Okay, but inside the area... Inside the airport, now all of a sudden it's legal, and it's just, and it's right. No, it's not. Not in God's eyes. 
But this was an act of violence, uh, they were saying, by groping the TSA supervisor. While Price defense attorney John Mills contended that the treatment dished out by Price by the TSA agents was far more invasive, Price was found guilty of battery, given six months of probation, and issued a $500 fine. And this is for the a, a mild, mild version of what is being done thousands and thousands of times per day in airports across America by perverts, pedophiles, and the dregs of society. No less. I mean, wow. <laughs> it just... I'm just less speechless most of the time with this news. Uh, next article. U.S. feds declare drought emergency across 1,000 counties. Worst crop conditions in 24 years. The U.S. government declared more than 1,000 counties in 26 states... Drought disasters. Now, this is almost one-third of all counties in the United States alone. A third. It's a lot. There's, there's like 3,000, a little over 3,000 counties all across America. So this is one-third of them. As the economic impact of the worst crop conditions in 24 years begins to be felt, the cost of America's worst drought in 24 years is not so apparent to American consumers. At least not yet. Because these things don't happen overnight as far as the price increases. But down the line, people are certain to be paying more for food this year. So again, this is a heads up. This is a Watchmen-type broadcast. I'm here to warn you of things that are going on right now, things impending, you know, so that you're not destroyed for lack of knowledge, so that you're not ignorance of, ignorant of Satan's devices, lest he get an advantage of you and your family. And again, that's why we're, we're, we're doing this. Uh... Next article, which confirms this, the corn is dying all over America. I have a map here that shows the uh, where the droughts are. If the drought condition, conditions persist in the middle part of the country, wheat and soybeans will uh, be next. Weeks of intense heat combined with the extraordinary dry conditions have brought many U.S. corn farmers to the brink of total disaster. If there is not significant rainfall soon, many farms, farmers will be financially ruined. Uh, and again, they're so dependent on the government now as a gigantic, huge percentage of the American populace is totally dependent on the government for their subsistence. Whether it's a check that's coming in once a month, whether it's the food stamps or a combination thereof, farmers are the same way. They're being subsidized from the government. And particularly corn. To grow this garbage corn where they make high fructose corn syrup out of it or they make ethanol, which is the most asinine thing on the planet, to actually use farmland to make something that we have in abundance underneath the ground in areas of Alaska and the Dakotas and those types of places that we're not even tapping into. Because, again, that's part of the control mechanism. That's part of, you know making sure that, that they have us in a vice stranglehold in every aspect of our life. That's what big government's all about. So, yeah, these, these I've seen documentaries. These farmers, a large percentage of them, are totally dependent on the government for subsidies when they like bring their corn crop in. If it wasn't for the subsidies they're getting from the government to grow this garbage corn, it's unedible that they used to make high fructose corn syrup or ethanol. They couldn't survive. They would go under. And if they have a crop ruined, <laughs> forget it. You know? They might, that might be all it takes to put them over the edge. 
this period of time is particularly important for corn because of when its pollination is supposed to happen, but the unprecedented heat and extreme dry conditions are playing havoc with that process, and with each passing day, things get even worse. We have seen the price of a bushel of corn soar 41% since January 14th. That is an astounding rise. Corn is also widely used to feed livestock, and if this crisis con- continues, we are also going to see a significant rise in meat and dairy prices. Now, again, uh, like, cattle should not be fed corn. You hear corn fed, you know, whole thing? They're not meant to eat corn. They're meant to eat grass. Grass-fed beef is the way God intended it. You look out in a field with a whole bunch of cows, are they going up to the corn stalks and... Oh, yes, they got little corn bibs on with the little things they put in the end, and they're, and they're eating the corn, you know, like on the cob. No, they don't do that. They eat the grass. That's the way God intended it to be. It mu- makes a much better, healthier meat when they eat grass. But, you know, I just want to throw that in. Uh, but we're going to see a significant rise in meat and dairy prices as well because of this. Food prices in America have already been rising at a steady pace, so this is definitely not welcome news. Uh, the wealthy, the weather conditions in the middle part of the country during the last couple of months have been highly unusual. It's not that the Midwest has, hasn't been extremely hot before, it's just not that it hasn't been, it's just that it's not been this incredibly dry. The current wave, which is spurring comparisons to the catastrophic heat of 1936, is, quote, out of whack, according to meteorologist Jim Keeney, said Friday and an interview with Los Angeles Times. Well, some of this, yes, you could say they could be creating this as another disaster scenario they're creating with HARP, scalar weaponry where they can totally, literally manipulate the weather easily. This would be just one more way of squeezing the vice and squeezing the vice and squeezing the vice to the point where you know they totally control all aspects of our life. But God's letting it happen. And with a country as wicked as we have, with all the wickedness that's going on, 60 million abortions, gays and sodomites taking over so many aspects of the government, the pedophiles running rampant and protected at the highest levels of government and like Sandusky and this type of thing. It's just the tip of the iceberg. I've done many teachings on that. The pornography industry, where the, you know, like the San Bernardino Valley is like the where like 90% of all pornography in the world comes out of or something like that. With all the wickedness going on here and the total lack of repentance corporately on a uh, national level, God has to judge this. It, It has to happen eventually. So we really shouldn't be surprised that this is happening. It's a wonder it hasn't happened before. So I've read this before, but this is just a little thing from from the Bible about food prices and the scarcity regarding the end times. Now, regarding the tribulation period, uh, in the end times, Revelation 6, 5 and 6, 6 says, And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Now, that word measure is from the Greek word chonix, which is a dry measure 
uh, containing less than a quart, or as much as would support a man of moderate appetite for a day. Now, you say a penny, well, that's a pretty good price. You know, I could afford that. Well, you don't understand. In the um, King James Bible, in that particular vernacular, what that word penny is derived from is the word denarion. And what that word means is a Roman silver coin in New Testament times called a denarius, and it was the principal silver coin of the Roman Empire. From the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, it would seem that a denarius was the ordinary pay for a day's wages. So, in other words, if you... Uh, if it says a measure of wheat for a penny, well, a measure less than a quart would be as much as would support a man of moderate appetite for a day. So in other words, that one man would have to work a whole day just to have one day's food. And that's just a measure of wheat. I don't know how yummy that would be, sitting down just eating a, almost a quart of wheat. Eh, it's kind of a rough way to go. I'm not saying you could make bread with it or something like that. I'm just saying that that's just, just for that alone. It's not talking about anything else. Just for that. So a penny is actually a basically a day's wages. So that's how scarce food is going to be in the end times. In this particular part of Revelation. So if we have wisdom, uh, we can look to the Bible regarding things like this. Where, where are there biblical precedences regarding these types of issues? Well, God instructed Joseph to do something uh, in a similar situation. Genesis 41, 34 says, let Pharaoh do this. Now, this is when Joseph was instructing Pharaoh. Okay, Let Pharaoh do this. This is uh, basically um, God-given instruction to Joseph, to Pharaoh. And let him appoint officers over the land and take up a fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years when we had a lot of food. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh. And let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, in the land that the land perish not in the famine. So they had stored up their seven plenteous years, their excess, so that they would have plenty of food for the seven years of famine. And it worked really good. Proverbs 6, 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. So this is wise to consider the ant. Which have no guide, oversteer, or ruler, provideth her meat, that word meat means food, in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. So, that's how, um, that's a parable on the, the ant there. And that, not a parable, but, you know, something to look at regarding the ant. Proverbs 22.3, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. I've talked a lot about a lot of evil in this particular thing. Now, however God instructs you to deal with that or appropriate that information, you know, that's between you and the Lord. But I'm trying to give you the tools to do that. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. 1 Timothy 5.8, but if any provide not for his own, and especially they especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So if we see this evil coming, to make no preparations for it, unless God has clearly laid out, no, don't do anything for your family at all. Make sure that you're dependent on the government, and you're living on the edge, and you're just as, you know, 
dependent on the government is humanly possible. I just can't see God telling somebody to do that. I know everybody's in different situations, and not everybody's in a situation where they can do this or do that. But, again, um, prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself. So just some verses to, to kind of think about. You know, another thing is now with all this radiation from Fukushima, you know, in the seawater, I've heard that, you know, the tuna that we're already getting, you know, from, you know, they have the ability, they're very, very fast. And a lot of that tuna um, that was exposed to that in Japan, and obviously the radiation's moving over here in the water, you know, they're already, like, very, very high contamination levels, you know. So, <laughs> you'd want to be, <laughs> you might want to, if you get any modern-day uh, uh, tuna, you might want to check it with a Geiger counter, because uh, it literally might, you know, light up a Geiger, a Geiger counter, you know. This is why it would have been good if you already had, maybe, if you had, like, canned tuna, to have it from before, pre-Fukushima. can't do anything about it now, unless you can find tuna that's pre-Fukushima, because there's just no way, unless you have a Geiger counter, to know. And that's just something to think about. I just thought about that the other day. I'm like, man, if the tuna's all contaminated... And again, this is how, you know, this is so satanic, the way all this is happening. Because it's systematically eliminating food that is healthy to eat. You know, you might be forced to eat something because, you know... You, you get put into a, a situation where you have no choice, evidently. So that, that's, a, that's a possibility as well. Uh, let's go to the next article here. Okay, so next article, entitled Disney Owned Marvel, Marvel Comics, debuts X-Men's same-sex wedding on the cover and asks kids to fantasize about having their own same-sex wedding. I'm not making this up. I'm looking at this disgusting cover of this black and white guy getting ready to uh, uh, evidently deliver the um, you know kiss the bride kiss I don't know which one's the bride but um they're getting ready for that it's right on the cover it's the astonishing x-men and it says there's a link here click here to send email to Disney and Marvel officials and comic distribute now, I've done many many studies on Disney how wicked and evil that they are, and I give you those links to those teachings in this. But uh, Marvel's subsidiary, or Disney's subsidiary, Marvel, released the new comic, Astonishing X-Men number 51. This was late in June of 2012, in which X-Men character Northstar marries his boyfriend, Kyle Janadu. This Marvel comic strip encourages children to fantasize about homosexual unions by having their own mock same-sex weddings. The Marvel webpage states, you can, quote, create your own wedding uh, blank variant cover. In other words, I guess you can maybe put you and another, like if you're a boy, you and another little boy on the cover, or if it's a girl, you and another little girl on the cover, and you can create your own cover, create your own... Uh, Homosexual wedding. So, uh, select comic book retailers nationwide will host wedding parties at their stores to celebrate this joyous occasion. So they've got the, the comic book people on board too to, so that they can all promote this and, and shove this down our throats. And, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah all over again. You see, remember what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? You know, in, in the Bible. God wasn't too... Uh, 
merciful on them. Mm-mm. The photos below show X-Men superheroes gathered to celebrate this homosexual wedding in some excerpts from the comic. I was just showing Taylor this, and she's like, her first question was, and how can they have children? I'm like, well, that's the whole point. You know, That's another way that they keep the population down. They, it's not, God didn't create Adam and Steve. He created Adam and Eve. You know, they, they can't procreate. That's the whole point of it. It's a perversion of nature. It's a, it's a crime against nature, as uh, many of the laws have listed this. as a crime against nature. And no, they can't procreate. You know, lesbians can't do that. They have to recruit. It's the only way they can expand their ranks. They recruit. So, uh, it shows another picture here of all the freakazoid uh, uh, superheroes in, I guess, the wedding's attendance. And these two men holding each other's hands as, as they're getting married and saying their vow. I mean, this is so sickening. Another another frame of where it, sees, it shows both their wedding rings. And uh, it's just... I, I'm just speechless, you know, most of the time anymore. I, I don't even know how to react to this stuff. It's, I mean, utter horror, but... Marvel Entertainment owns X-Men, the X-Men comic story. Disney bought Marvel in 2009 for $4.2 billion. And again, more fruit of Disney. As if Marvel, Marvel probably wasn't bad enough, Disney buys them, and now they're having same-sex weddings on their covers. So that shows you how wicked and evil and perverted and warped Disney is. So, I give you the teachings, eight-part teaching I did on Disney. Uh... Here, links to it. Florida Family Association has prepared an email for you to send urging Disney and Marvel, plus several comic retailers, to pull the X-Men number 51. To send your email, uh, please click the link below. Uh, anyway, I give you all the, the information to do that, if you'd like to do that. Next article, this... Uh, I, honestly, I can't even believe the news anymore. But it's like, if I don't say anything about this... In this particular particular case, we're going to talk about Sears. If I don't say anything about this, and you go there, unknowingly, in a way like the Bible talks about being destroyed for lack of knowledge, this is something you're going to want to know about. <laughs> you know, um, Sears now adds bestiality how-to books to its website. And if you don't know what that word means, the Bible talks about that word in regard to, um, in the same context as it talks about the uh, men with men, women with women, the gays, homosexual activity, and um, women with animals and men with animals. That's bestiality. The Bible talks about that. I mean, it was an instant death sentence in the Old Testament. Any of that. It was a death sentence. But now it's okay, it's condoned. The army's actually, they, they came out with something recently saying it's okay to have you know, intercourse with animals on base. And uh, Sears now has a bestiality, some how-to guides in, that they're selling online. I couldn't believe it. I saw the actual links. I, 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 I just, I'm like, Sears? Are you kidding me? I mean, not saying that Sears is perfect, but I mean, this is some really, really, really bad, hardcore stuff. 
I just was like, am I in the Twilight Zone? In the past, Sears and its online stores offered a wide variety, wide range of nudity, from pornographic videos to nude posters. Now the store that once served as America's icon for families has kicked its offerings up a notch, featuring bestiality in its latest line of promotions. It's it's unbelievable. The situation has been documented by officials within the family American Family Association. Last year, Sears promised to stop selling these types of products. So they've been warned. Okay, they they're like, oh, we won't sell them anymore. Uh, the AFA said in its alert to its constituents about the problem today. In our subsequent monitoring of Sears.com, AFA found that Sears resumed selling sexually explicit products. In a statement by AFA, officials said, along with explicit nudity, Sears now adds bestiality in its website. Now, last week, or maybe the week before that, we got into all the, the different chains that are promoting the queer gay agenda. Target selling their, their gay rainbow flag t-shirts to benefit the, the legal, gay legal movements and pennies having this two same-sex dads with, with their kids and just glorifying it and the, and how Pepsi has their gay, you know, we've talked about Home Depot and tying all of these. It's like almost anything you deal with on a basis of like big stores in America, it's getting to the point where all of them are becoming openly, overtly involved in wickedness. It's, it's hard to find ones that aren't doing this type of stuff. Uh, the statement continues, after our last action alert in May, Sears assured AFA it was updating filtering equipment and enforcing strict guidelines to prevent sexually explicit products being available on their websites. AFA took Sears spokesmen at their word, and we shouldn't have. Sears made the same promise in 2010, and they broke their word to that too. See, they're liars. They're devils. These people at the tops of these companies are Luciferians. They're Satanists. They're, they're, they're not there by accident. You don't get to that level on the corporate ladder if you're not evil anymore. Maybe at one time, and maybe that wasn't the case. But now, no. These people are pre-positioned there on purpose. Less than two months, for the most part. Okay, I'm sure there's maybe exceptions. I I pray to God there is. You know, that there is exceptions to these rules. But for the most part, I'm talking about. Less than two months after Sears' latest promise on May 2012, the pornography has returned. The organization said, explain AFA, but that's not the worst of it. Sears also sells books on bestiality and zoophilia. Um, (laughs) Titled... And I, again, you know, I even saw the cover on the book. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. The books they're selling are Dearest Pet on Bestiality. And one, of the, one of the books, it has like this cover with this guy, and he's like partially dressed, and there's like this dog. His dog's on the side of the bed or something. It's about having intercourse with his dog. This is Sears. All-American... Good family stuff here. The second book they're selling is called Bestiality and Zoophilia. Uh, Sexual Relations with Animals. End of quote. That's the, that's the titles of these books Sears are, sell, are selling online. I, I, I thought this was a misprint. But World Daily Net's covering this. American Family Association's covering it. I mean, these are, uh, particularly American Family uh, Association, they're, they're like dedicated for this. This isn't something that is like a misprint. 
These books are how-to manuals for people who want to have intercourse with animals. I mean, you got to be really, really, really demon-possessed to the toenails to go there. You're going into another species. You are so far gone that I don't think there's any hope for you if you go there. I mean, it's just, this stuff's incomprehensible. The warnings continue. It says, I don't want to be too graphic, but they contain descriptions, drawings, and sketches beyond belief. People that have critiqued these bestiality how-to manuals that Sears is selling. So, yeah, that's that's what Sears has been up to, just so you know. Give you a little update on their, on their uh, little shenanigans they've been up to. Yeah. So, uh, next article. It's entitled GCB, which stands, which should stand for Gross, Gross Christian Blasphemy. This is a, a new show that ABC has been putting on. And here we're seeing the actual cover for the show. It says, Love Thy Neighbor. And it has this real pretty vixen-like looking woman in a choir robe that's, it's like a mini skirt. Choir robe. You know? And she's got this real sheeny, shiny pantyhose on and the real high heel shoes and it has this GCB. It's all diamond studded. And it's on ABC. It's, it, it, it comes on every Sunday, I guess. And what this show does and what the GCB stands for is, I believe, let me see, I want to make sure, I want to make sure I get this right, what it actually stands for. One other thing I should say about Sears, too. They're going down the tubes, and they've been going down the tubes. And, you know, I pray if they're going to continue this route, they continue. Because, you know, God's judgment needs to be on companies that are engaging in this type of wicked behavior. Anyway, getting back to this. this The actual GCB stands for Good Christian B-I-T-C-H's. That's what it stands for. Okay? And that's how they portray... The Christians is hypocritical. I, we're going to go over this. This is just unbelievable. This is how Hollywood, you know. Now, I'm, there's probably a lot of truth in, in, in the show, you know, regarding a lot of behavior patterns uh, in the church, in the 501c3 corporate church. Now, I, I wouldn't doubt that a bit. It's just that, you know, this is how uh, all Christians are being broad-brushed broad brushed and portrayed. Um, the GCB goes out of its way to put Christians in the absolute worst possible light. Imagine a show about a Caucasian American family who moved to a 99% Arab Muslim community in like Dearborn, Michigan, where those guys were just being stoned uh, a month or so ago. Uh, the the uh, guys that showed up with those banners. Anyway, instead of meeting warm and welcoming neighbors, the Muslim families on their blocks spend their time working on potential terrorist attacks. Now, this is a show. Imagine if they had a show like this. They would never do this because it wouldn't be politically correct. Okay? But imagine that they spend their time working on potential terrorist attacks, teaching their children how to strap on explosives, discussing how evil America is and its need for destruction. Osama bin Laden pictures adorn the walls of many homes. The Arab Muslim women hold Hamas bake sales and fund overseas terror. Now, a lot, now a lot of what's going on here actually does go on, just goes on behind closed doors. 
I mean, that's the silent jihad, what I talked about last week. It's, they're not going to be open about it until they get enough numbers to overwhelm you and to impose their will on you. That's Islam. That's just basic Quranic 101 tenets of Islam. That's how they, that's how they roll, okay? So, um, this, where the way they're portraying this, this is, this is going on, uh, to a, uh, certain extent in many, many places in America. Uh, just not openly. Anyway, the Arab Muslim women hold Hamas bake sales to fund overseas terrors when the husband of the new family on the block, who is the Caucasian guy, is out in front of the front, is out in his front yard mowing his lawn, his Muslim neighbor wearing full traditional garb waves and says, great day for some yard work, my infidel friend. <laughs> Hope that thing doesn't blow up on you <laughs> as he's mowing the lawn. Does this show seem offensive to you? Would a show like this ever have a chance of making it on television? Well, if you switch the religion to Christianity and keep the concept the same, you have ABC's new show, GCB. One of the most over-the-top, offensive, blasphemous, and utterly ridiculous anti-Christian shows on TV this season. Now, again, I'm not going to say it's utterly ridiculous from this standpoint. Probably a lot of this stuff does go on in the church. I know it does, because I've reported on it. So I don't think it's, it's absurd, the concept. But obviously, they're doing it for a reason to just paint all Christians in the worst possible light. What typically happens, you'll see most of the time, is from the zeitgeist crowd and from the New Agers and from the gays and lesbians and anybody that's participating in just rank evil on, on the, let's say, the left or the liberal side, they lump us all in with the Catholics. Oh, you Christians are one to talk. You slaughtered millions during the Inquisitions and you're not going to judge me because look at what you... And I'm like, they were killing born-again, Bible-believing Christians by the millions. It wasn't It wasn't the born-again, Bible-believing Christians doing it to the Catholics. It was the Catholics doing that to us. Okay? But they, we, because it's so convenient for them, they love to lump all Christians in with the Catholics and point their finger, and then they can turn and go their merry way and feel justified in their own wicked behavior. That's why they do it. So, going further, at least part of the reason, the show... This GCB is based on the novel, you know, Good Christian, what I said. It's centered on the character Amanda, a former, quote, mean girl who returns to the predominantly Christian town of her youth. GCB is filled with the most blatant and horrible stereotypes of Christians imaginable. The three women who were teenage rivals of Amanda, who are supposedly devout church-going Christians, are walking hypocrisy. The Christian women gossip nonstop, spend their immense wealth on over-the-top luxury items, and plot endlessly against any woman who does not fit into their clique. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Scriptures are quoted only as a means to make veiled f- threats. Church offerings are given to win influence in the church and for bragging rights. Wives cheat on their husbands. Their husbands are really closeted gays. <laughs> unbelievable. Most of the husbands are, are all closet gay guys, you know. And the wives, well, they got to cheat on their husbands because, you know, their husbands are gay. The pastors steal materials from each other churches in competition for their members. Their children have no respect for their parents, but yet everyone gives the veneer in public of being devout, fake Christians. <laughs> now, again, I'm not saying a lot of this doesn't go on in the church, but, I mean, to have a show... And, and to, you know, promote this. 
Anyway, so we see a picture here of the show's, I guess, main pastor. And he's having a beer here at a Hooters-style restaurant where, where the women, you know, dress up scantily clad in, in, uh, in revealing attire. He's having a beer at the old uh, Hooters-style restaurant here. Shows a picture of that. And um, the Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines blasphemy as indignity offered to God in words, writing, or signs. Impiously irreverent words or signs addressed to or used in reference to God, speaking evil of God, also the act of claiming the attributes or prerogatives of deity. Now, I like this, whoever wrote this article was pretty sharp because very few people will use King James Bible... Uh, or to know to use King James Bible as, as the Word of God. And even fewer know that if you're going to define words in the King James Bible, obviously, yes, you can look at a concordance. That's a way that you can do that like a strong concordance. Also, though, you can look at an 1828 Webster's, Noah Webster Dictionary, because it defines the words more closely in the age that they were used. I mean, obviously, word, the meanings of words have changed since the 1611 King James Bible you know, came out. So, if you have a King James Bible now, it's actually a, 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 six, a 1769 revision of the 1611. It's not a new version, it's not a new translation, it's a revision. It's just updated grammar and updated old English words, okay? You either have a Cambridge or an Oxford 1769 King James Bible, if you have one now, typically, okay? Uh, trust me, because if you try to read a 1611, you can't even read it, unless you know how to read Old English. Well, the... Webster 1828 more closely defines those words. Okay, So that was the definition of blasphemy that I just read. Now, GCB is a prototype for Christian blasphemy as it is irreverent to God, Jesus, and the Bible. The show's website features its own version of the Ten Commandments with slogans like, quote, Thou shall not covet thy neighbor, neighbor's husband unless he's really hot. They have, they, they've went there with this show. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's husband unless he's really hot. Or, another one of their commandments is, Remember the spa day and keep it holy. End of quote. You talk about no fear of God. Okay, I, you know, I didn't do this before. Taylor's here looking at this with me. And it's, I went to the actual, their, their website. It's abcgo.com. GCB commandments, essentially. The 10 GCB commandments. I'm going to go over these. And it's just a little chihuahua with... Uh, he's really cute. I, get, I admit, it's not the chihuahua's fault. But anyway, he's got a little crown on. And it says, um, the GCB 10 commandments. If you want to survive in this world, you're going to need some rules to live by. First commandment, thou shalt add bling to everything. And it shows this chihuahua with a crown on. So, it's all about bling, I guess. And then the second commandment, I'm going to that one right now, and it's kind of slow here. Oh good, some bare-chested guy, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's husband unless he's really hot. Okay, and then the next one, oh good, a bra hanging by a clothesline, and it says thou shalt love a C cup unless you fit into a D cup. Nice, yeah, really. No, there's no blasphemy here. I mean, there's there's no there's a lot of fear of God. I sense in all of this. Um, the next one, 
Remember the spa day and keep it holy. Unbelievable. These people, I mean, my word. Thou shalt know it's wrong to expose your thong. Do you believe this? That's, the, that's their sixth commandment. I shudder to think what God is going to do to this country. I really do. I, I can't even imagine. I, I can't even begin to imagine what God is going, the fury, the destruction. I, I can't even co- comprehend it. Honor the, the Eighth Commandment, or Sixth, I don't know. Uh, seventh Commandment, uh, Honor thy manis and petties. Manicures and pedicures, I guess. Oh, my word. No, I mean, you talk about, I tell you, these, these people really, truly don't have any fear of God whatsoever. But the ABC and ABC family, I mean, I'll tell you, they're at the spear tip of, of blasphemy and evil. I've... I've Highlighted that um, many times. Uh, I guess this is the seventh commandment: "Thou shall not bear false designer labels." I, I guess I'm a little out of, out of touch with what the significance of all this. What, what does that mean? Uh, Taylor just explained to me like if you're going to buy a clothes, it's like a designer clothes or shoes. Only by brand name with the signature on because that's the only thing that counts. Because remember, everybody's watching, and we've all got to put on airs and, and buy the most expensive stuff. Because you know, that's all Jesus ever wore was designer stuff. So we need to walk in his footsteps, right? We need to emulate that behavior. The apostles. You know, didn't the Bible say that the Son of Man have nowhere to even lay his head? This is just so evil. But. You know, it's what uh, it's what is um, sold as good, I guess. Eighth commandment: Thou shall not wear it if it's under a carrot, and it shows a, a wedding ring. So, see, you got to have at least if your man really loves you, you he better buy you at least a carrot, and it better be like one of those flawless ones too, because if he doesn't, he's just a cheapskate, and he needs to get two or three more jobs so he can. You know, or or take out another loan, get really far in debt, you know, in order to uh, make sure that he proves to you, you know, he loves you, because anything under a carrot you don't wear it. And then the next commandment, the ninth command: Thou shalt match the volume of thy hair to the size of thy handbag. What? So this lady's got real big hair, and I don't know. I just kind of want to get you to get an idea of, of the rank blasphemy that we're, we're dealing with here. And uh, the last one is, Thou shalt not mess with Texas. Okay, I guess this film is show is set in a Texas setting? I don't know. Anyway, um, the other mockeries of scripture which add to the cartoonish stereotypes of the show of Christian women being super materialistic, adulterous, scheming vixens, and the stereotype that Christians in general are phonies who do not care about their faith in the least bit and just use church for their own personal gain. In an episode entitled Sex is Divine, Pastor Ford goes on to a Hooter-style restaurant where the waitress wear tight tops, short shorts, and have a beer. The Bible says, quote, a pastor then must be blameless. The husband of one wife, vigilant, 
sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but which means money or mammon, uh, uh, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. Pastor Ford then ends up hiring Amanda at the Hooters bar, who was working there, to be his main assistant at church. So that's where he got his main assistant from, this pastor. And here's a picture of Amanda. And she's standing up at church. And evidently, Amanda uses church prayer time to embarrass and ridicule her rivals. Uh, (laughs) That is something I've seen before. Amanda uses church prayer time to embarrass and ridicule her rivals. I remember when I was in the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement, and I, I went to this meeting up in uh, Indianapolis where I actually spoke and um, I tell you, I've seen some things go on <laughs> at those meetings <laughs> that you wouldn't believe I, I went up there and I can remember, this was my first taste of this and there are these pastors that would go up there and literally Where you wanted to be the speaker was you wanted to be the last speaker on the last day. Because if you were the first speaker on the first day, you had about, depending on the amount of speakers, I don't know, 15 other preachers that would come up after you over the course of a two or or three day conference where they could take their pot shots at you and your family over and over and over again. That was the norm. I, I'm telling you, I was like ready to crawl under my chair. I was so embarrassed of a lot of these preachers getting up. Well, bless God, they'd get up there and just tear into this other guy that had spoken before him. Or maybe he was in the audience. And a lot of times they wouldn't even use his name, but you knew who they were talking about. And I'm like, oh my word, are you kidding me? Is this what we're here to do? To just rip apart each other? And they, they'd say, they, they would focus in on something about their family or something they had preached on or this or that. And I mean, and the thing is, is if you were the guy on the first day speaking, oh, forget it. Because they had that night to modify their sermon on you. And you were really going to get, now this happened to me personally. Now, I, I can remember being up there in uh, Indianapolis and, and being in the crowd. And I can remember on several occasions, I literally wanted to crawl under my chair. I was so embarrassed. I was, it wasn't even about me. I didn't even speak until the last day and I left right away. I mean, thank God I left. I could imagine. Of course, I was off on a side room and I was, you know, not the main traction. But I mean... I was like, oh my word, I, I cannot believe what I'm hearing. Is this how we're supposed to act? Um, and it was repeated. It wasn't like an aberration. It wasn't like a one-time thing. It was like the norm. It was the norm. And I'm like, why would I want to come back to this? Why would I want to be around this? You know? And even though these were non-501c3... King James only. Independent fundamentalist. You would think it would be the cream of the crop. It was some of the most divisive garbage, backbiting, one-upsmanship, pride I had ever been around in my life. Maybe it was because they were in a 
much more biblically correct doctrinal area. But, oh my word, you couldn't believe what was going on. So then finally, I ended up getting invited. And I had, I had spoke a little bit at some of the conferences. But the, the, the bigger ones, I got invited to one in Okeechobee. <laughs> I went in there. I was like the... The, I don't know, I think I was like the first speaker the first night, like three days or two days or something. I didn't know it was probably only two days. And I spoke on like the avian flu, which was my specialty. Okay, I did a 14-city tour of America. I had a 150-powerpoint presentation. And I wasn't able to get through all my, all my material. They only gave me like an hour, hour and a half. And I wasn't able to get through hardly any of it. And I, I mentioned a lot about how corrupt the medical cartel, the pharma medical cartel is. You know, oh, you wouldn't believe it. The next day, I had those guys, one after another, these independent fundamental Baptist preachers up there just taking their shots at me, one after another. There was like one guy, I think, that defended me, and I think he was gay. He was like, he wasn't like the normal independent fundamental preacher crowd. He was like, somebody invited him, and he kind of got... I'm pretty sure the guy was gay. I don't know. I think he was. He sure acted effeminate. He was the only guy that defended me. And a lot of these people were supposedly my friends. And I'm like, I'm like, I wasn't even preaching against anybody. I'm just telling you what could happen with this H5N1 avian flu bug. And I'm kind of an expert on it. I mean, I got a DVD. I mean, I did a 14 city tour. I mean, I I studied for like seven months on this one subject. You know, I I know it a little bit. You know, well, bless God, I don't know nothing. Because they literally plotted that night. This one guy was like the ringleader, the guy in Texas, the one preacher. He was the ringleader, and he literally must have got with his boys that night. And they were they were going to be preaching. <laughs> he had all of them target me the next day. Because, see, he was heavily medicated. He'd had like a heart attack or something. He was heavily medicated. All kind of meds, and I was really stepping on his toes. I guess I deduced this later because I, he had mentioned he was on meds, and he got up there to speak. I think like the next day, I never saw anything like it in my life. He was like throwing money on the ground and throwing credit cards everywhere, and and acting like he had uh, all the money he needed, and 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 he was. I'm like, I'm like, what was the point of all that? I I, I just. I never saw anything like it in my life, this display of pointless preaching and grandstanding and one-upsmanship. And then the rest of the guys, and I don't even think he said anything about me, but all the rest of his boys came after me. It was one after another, after another, after another. Uh, I got attacked on another issue. And and by the end, what ended up happening is, (laughs) and this this was my, this was when I pretty much was done with the independent fundamental Baptist KJV only church movement because I'm not saying I still don't have friends in that movement. I'm not saying that, that, that everybody's evil and I'm saying that I had had enough. God had clearly indicated to me what type of spirit was operating primarily through much of what was going on there. And it sure wasn't Christian. So the, the last day, here's what they did to me. It's, it's hilarious. I actually look back at it now. They, they ended up uh, saying, well, uh, uh, the main speaker was Dr. Dixon, who, who wrote the, a lot on uh, the uh, Trail of Blood Revisited, really good book on, 
501c3. I have nothing against Dr. Dixon, okay? But he was the last speaker, and I had another half to do. Well, they said, well, they got to the end, and they said, and I know they did this on purpose. It's really funny. <laughs> they said, well, um, we have an announcement to make. We, we, Dr. Dixon's up next, but Brother Johnson hasn't had a chance to do his part, too. So we're going to let Brother Johnson go in this other room, and we're going to let him do his, his, the rest of his thing, his, his uh, presentation. And anybody that wants to go in there, you know, they can they can go over there and uh, uh, um, do that. And, and Dr. Dixon will be in this part. And they really didn't give me any time at that point, but they led me over there. And it was like the, the preschool, like, K-1 toddler room. Where, like, the, the seats were, like, you know, like, <laughs> two feet tall. These little tiny chairs <laughs> with the little tiny desks. I'm not lying. This is really what happened to me. And I'm like, oh my word. And then I, I came back and, and that, that pastor from Texas comes up to me and, and shakes, he puts out his hand to shake my hand. He, as he's shaking my hand, he says, well, you're not going to speak the same time Dr. Dixon's speaking, would you? You want to do something like that, something to that effect, because he wanted to make sure my mouth was shut. Not only that I was absolutely, totally embarrassed, and I just sat up there the whole day and took it. All these pot shots coming, I mean, just totally twisting scripture, trying to come after me. And I just sat up there the whole day, and I kept asking the Lord what to do. And the only thing I, I really sensed from God was don't defend yourself. Just take it. Take it. Take every bit of it. Don't even try to defend. Don't get mad. Don't 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 try to retaliate. Just take it. And I just did. I just sat there and took it and, and basically smiled while they were just blasting me from the pulpit. All one after another. It, it was hilarious, really. It was almost like a comic thing. And I mean if you would have saw it on TV, well <laughs> he's shaking my hand saying this. You wouldn't you wouldn't preach the same time. You wouldn't do your teaching the same time. Because he wanted to make sure my message did not get out to any of them there. It offended him that much, evidently. Just what I was saying about medical cartel. And, and, and by no means was I meaning to offend anyone. I was just stating facts. I mean, everything I had said was verifiable. And um, right after that, I stood up. And I had planned on doing this anyway, but I stood up and I made an announcement. I said, well, I said... Um, in light of the fact that the, the conference is coming to an end and Dr. Dixon is here, um, I do not want to take one minute away from his presentation, one person away from his presentation, and I'm going to defer. I'm going to just defer all my time to him, and um, I'm going to let him speak, and I'm not going to do my presentation. And um, I'm sure that's what they wanted to hear. And so, basically, I I sat down and. Um, uh, I don't know if I left right then or if I waited. I think I waited until Dr. Dixon was done and I left. And there was something after that. I'm like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I am so out of here. And that was my last experience with them. And so when it says, when I'm looking at this woman here, and it says Amanda uses church prayer time to embarrass and ridicule her rivals, I have really been there, not done it, but seen it, experienced it. I can't imagine using prayer time or uh, I just I don't know anyway uh, 
I, I'm, I'm very familiar with that. Just put it that way. So, going back to the article, it says, The church, where all characters gather every Sunday, is just another platform to show how evil the Christian women are. Prayer time is used to take personal pot shots at people. Pastors encourage uh, couples, both married and unmarried, to have more sex, unmarried, to have more sex. And the unmarried Amanda uses the sermon as a justification for her fornication later in the episode. There is no reverence for God, Jesus, and absolutely no mention of the gospel. In fact, the most moral character on the show is Amanda, the uh, girl that worked at Hooters who does all the stuff. Um, and the star, she's the star, and the reformed mean girl who is really not into Christianity at all. This show is blasphemous and offensive to the core. The Bible is very clear in outlining what are the characteristics of a godly woman. Proverbs 31 in particular goes into length to explain what God sees as good qualities in a Christian woman. Proverbs 31, 10-12 says, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Christian women, first and foremost, seek virtue. They are not out to cheat on their husbands and are trustworthy. Thus, they do not need to be, quote, bought off with expensive luxury items, contrary to what GCB portrays, of course, where women are completely consumed with the lust of the flesh and worldliness. And then it goes on to say in um, Proverbs 31, She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness. Yeah, that's definitely the case of that show. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praiseth her. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Wisdom in the Bible comes from knowing God's word and following it. Christian women uh, are to be God-fearing. They should be honest humble, compassionate towards others. They are supposed to take care of their homes and not use the homes as a place to show off their wealth and entertain men for adultery. Notice that she speaks the law of kindness. Christian women who obey God are taught to be kind and compassionate in their speech, not backbiters and ripping each other apart, something television today features women doing on an hourly basis. A Christian woman receives praise from her family and values that, values that over showing off to the neighborhood. GCB shows Christian women as self-absorbed egomaniacs who are not remotely concerned with their families beyond their appearances. Proverbs 31 continues to list the qualities of Christian women as smart with money, providing for her loved ones, facing life and death with courage, and above all being holy, living a life that strives for biblical purity and a lifestyle. Also, finally, the Bible outlines a straightforward way for all born-again Christians to know what follows in life once you believe in Jesus Christ with a new spirit. Uh, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. This is what the Christian spirit is all about. While this does not mean that every Christian woman is perfect, the Christian life is about removing the sins and obstacles to become the person that God wants us to be. It is a process that God leads us through. Uh, GCB does not make any representation of what Bible-believing women would act like and goes out of its way to portray the exact opposite, actually. Uh, I think I'm running out of time here for this part. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go to part two here. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, i got to go to part two here. I'm not going to be able to get through all this. So I'm going to go to part... No, I'm sorry, part three. And I think that'll be our third and final part. So God bless you, and we'll see you in part three.